Well, hello there, and welcome to True Crime Bones, the Stella Murder series, with me, your host, Marissa, also known as Bones. So in the first episode of the Stella Murders, we learned about who the victims Charnal Hoog and Marna Engelbrecht were, as well as Zander Belsma, and how Zander was able to murder these two girls without being noticed. So in today's episode, part two, we will be going through some of the testimonies made during the Stella Murders trial. Okay, so obviously no one actually witnessed Zander commit these murders, but that doesn't mean other people's versions of what happened leading up to that night and that night itself should not be taken into account. As it can contradict the suspect's version of events and or basically be used as evidence against him in the future. So with that in mind, let's get into the testimonies given by three of the witnesses called in by the state to testify during the trial. Brandon Victor, Anastasia Fisser, and Ronnie Hoog. Let's start with the testimony of Brandon Victor, who was Charnel's boyfriend at the time. Brandon testified that he snuck out of the boys' hostel to visit Charnel and Marna on the evening of the 25th of May 2018, and he arrived at the girls' room at about 15 minutes past 11 that night where the three would go on to chat and drink some coffee, and most importantly, Brandon got to spend some time with Charnel, who even at some stage pressed out pimples on his back. Later on, just as Brandon was about to leave, Charnel's phone rang, and it was Zander calling her at 1am in the morning. Charnel answered the call, but put the phone on loudspeaker, so that both Brandon and Marna could hear what he was saying. The conversation started in a calming matter, with a polite sounding Zander asking Charnel if he could come over and visit her. But that polite tone in Zander's voice immediately disappeared when Charnel said no, to which he replied by saying that he was going to come anyway. That's when Charnel started begging him not to come. She even went as far as lying to him by saying that the doors to the hostel were locked. So there's no way for him to get in anyway. And that's when the conversation took a dark turn. As Zander would go on to call her a slut, a whore, and a few other things, while also threatening her. The conversation finally ended with Zander saying that he hoped she would be happy about what he was going to do that night. By this, the last part of the conversation Brandon thought that Zander was threatening to kill himself in an attempt to play on Charnel's emotions, as it was something Zander used to do a lot. After the phone call, Brandon could see that Charnel was very tense and upset about what just happened, so he offered to spend the night with them and sleep in their room. But Charnel refused, as she was afraid that they might get into trouble with the hostel matron and then later on their parents. He then said that she could go and sleep in his room and he would stay behind, but she refused that too. Not long after that, 
They said their goodbyes and Brandon went back to his room in the boys' hostel. When he got to his room, he watched up called Chanel just to make sure if she was okay. And she said that she was. And that's when he went to bed. He got up the following morning between 7 and 8 a.m. in order to get ready to travel to Koster as he was on the rugby team scheduled to play that day. That's when he saw Chanel was online on WhatsApp during the early morning hours, but he couldn't recall the exact time. Whilst he was busy getting ready, Mr. Bredenkamp came and asked him for the cell phone numbers of both Charnel and Marna, without any explanation whatsoever. Brandon then gave Mr. Bredenkamp the numbers, who then left without saying a word. Later, when Chanel Marna didn't show up to travel with a bus to Koster, Brandon thought that perhaps Zander had kidnapped the girls, which would explain why Mr. Brennenkamp asked him for their numbers. But despite all of that, he and the rest of the rugby team got into the bus and traveled to Koster. Brandon only learned about Chanel and Marna's death moments before he went on to play his rugby match. Now, how does one think your girlfriend has been kidnapped, but you're like, I'm okay with it. Let's get into the bus and go play a rugby game. I mean, obviously, we know that they were not kidnapped. He didn't know that. His first thoughts were, Zander kidnapped Charnel and Marna. And what does he do? Absolutely nothing. Please, if someone can help me make sense of this. Or am I the only person that thinks that is not normal? If you think they were kidnapped, you holler your ass out of there and go find out what was going on. Anyway, so there was testimony of Brandon Victor. Now, the testimony of the then 19-year-old Anastasia Fisser, who was a friend of Zander Belsma. Anastasia testified that she met Zander in March of 2015 when they both attended the same fishing competition in Blumov Dam, where they would be go on to become friends. They stayed in contact with each other through the use of WhatsApp and Facebook after they initially met, but as time moved on, they started talking to each other less and less, until finally, they stopped communicating at all. Even though Anastasia went to a different high school, called Wipstadt Wurschkwil, which was quite far from Stella Wurschkwil, she and Chanel still ended up meeting each other. She and Chanel both played netball and were on their school's netball teams. So the first time they met was at a netball match where they both played representing each of their schools. They would go on to see and kind of hang out with each other a couple of times. But this was only when they were competing in netball matches. 
but they still did go on to occasionally communicate with each other through the use of WhatsApp. When Anastasia met Charnel, she already knew about her and Zander's relationship. In fact, Charnel would go on to confide in her about the struggles of her and Zander's relationship. Anastasia and Zander would also go on to resume their communication after Zander phoned her during the month of February 2018, which is also the same month that Charnel would go on to confide in Anastasia for the last time. And which she told Anastasia that she can't take more of Zander's emotional abuse and that she wanted to leave him, but she was too scared. On the evening on the 24th of May 2018, at approximately 6 o'clock, Anastasia received a phone call from a very angry and upset Zander. When she asked him why he was angry, he told her that Charnel was able to move on with her life while he couldn't. The phone call continued with Zander saying that Chanel was sending inappropriate half-naked photos of herself to Brandon Victor while they, Zander and Chanel, were still in a relationship. He also said that he was going to go to Stella where he knew Chanel was going to be and that he didn't even know if he was able to control his temper or not. And then he said that he was going to make Chanel's life a living hell to such an extent that she would kill herself. And after she committed suicide, he would then go to her father, Ronnie, and tell him that he, Zander, is the reason she took her own life. And then he would show her father the photos she took of herself and send to Brendan before ultimately leaving. After all of that, Anastasia responded by telling Zander that her favorite soapy had already started and she didn't want to miss a thing. So Zander should call her back later after she finished watching her soapy. Anastasia didn't even attempt to contact Charnel in order to tell her, well warn her, about what Zander had told her and was planning. In fact, she didn't say a thing to anybody. It's only until she learned that Charnel and Marna were murdered. Then only did she send a Facebook message to Zander's mother, Mersha, before attempting to phone Zander, which of course was unsuccessful. Now, before I get too excited and freak out, Let's start with, okay, firstly, a soapy, just in case, for those who don't know, it's like those re-recurring shows, it plays over and over, it feels like they were created the day you were born and they will be there the day you died, it's like they were there when TV started. Now, the soapy she was talking about is called Sievendelon, it's an Afrikaans I don't know, drama, it's a horrible show. Now this show is from, well it's a Monday to Friday, 
from 6.30 to 7 o'clock in the evenings. So how she, first of all, there's reruns. You know, that show is literally, the same episode the next day, I think on three different um, timestamps, you can rewatch that show. That aside, how do you, after you've heard all of that, interrupt the guy by telling him that it's your soapy that's going, that's on? Not, why are you doing this? Stop. No. No. I just want to watch my soapy. I'm afraid I'm missing something. Which, by the way, you can literally watch one episode of Sium and three years later watch another episode and you wouldn't have missed a damn thing. Not a single damn thing. How? It's like, you know, I was a man and I had a beard. You can imagine me, like, caressing my beard because I'm trying to make sense of this. She, she had a, the opportunity to warn Charnel. To tell her, to tell anyone, because this was on the 24th and everything started on the 25th, the evening, well technically the 26th, the early morning hours. So there was time. But did this girl do anything? No. Absolutely nothing. She is more infuriating so much that I can't even say the word infuriating. Oh, there we go. Then the previous guy, Brandon Victor. Honestly, with friends like these, who needs enemies? With that done, let's get into the testimony of Ronnie Hoch. Chanel's father. Ronnie testified that on the morning of the 26th of May 2018, after he had just woken up at approximately 6 a.m., he noticed that he had two WhatsApp notifications that were from Chanel's phone. The first notification was for a photo that was sent from Chanel's WhatsApp to Ronnie's. The photo was that of Chanel, only wearing a bra. And it was sent at 3.45 a.m. that morning. The second notification was for a message. They were sent at 4.17 a.m. that morning. From Chanel's WhatsApp to Ronnie's. The message read, Daddy, I'm sorry. Marna and I are leaving this place. He then phoned Charnal but got no answer and then the same when he tried phoning Marna. He phoned both of them again as well as one of their teachers but still no answer. Ronnie then phoned the headmaster who answered at 6.30 a.m. and told Ronnie that Charnal, his daughter and Marna were dead and that they had committed suicide. Ronnie then phoned his brother, Louis, who was closer to Stella Wurschkwal, to go and see what was going on. After he spoke to his brother, 
We got into the bucky. Now, bucky is Afrikaans wood. We use to describe like a truck. It's in the case. So he got into his truck and drove to Stella Wurschkwal. He arrived at the scene at approximately 7 a.m., just a few minutes after his brother. When Ronnie and his brother Louis were finally able to get into the girls' hostel, they saw that Charnel was still hanging from the staircase. That's when Ronnie held Charnel's lifeless body so that his brother can cut the rope that she was hanging from. Ronnie would also go on to say that Chanel would never send him half-naked pictures of herself and that the style of wording of the message he received did not match at all the normal messages he usually got from Chanel. Which is why he believed from the start that Chanel never sent him those messages, but that in fact someone else did. Now, let's get into what happened on the 26th of May 2018. After the bodies of Charnel Hoog and Marna Engelbrecht were discovered, it was initially believed to be multiple suicides. But that belief didn't last very long, as investigators immediately suspected foul play after arriving and going through the crime scene. It's during this period when Richard Hobson, chair of Wurschkul Stella's body corporate, contacted Chris Saunders to ask him for help in assisting them and the police in this investigation after Richard had gotten permission from the parents to do so, of course. Chris Saunders, a private investigator who also owns a security company called Crime Busters, in a small town called Hartswater, was known by Richard as he had done some work for Richard on his farm in the past. And that is why Richard contacted Chris, where he explained what was going on and the fact that he didn't believe, well, no one actually believed, that this was suicide, before ultimately asking for assistance. Chris Saunders only arrived at Stella Wurschkel Hostel in the early afternoon hours as he had to drive 145 kilometers to get there. Upon arrival, Chris met with the other officers before going into the hostel where he saw the lifeless body of Charnel and Marna Hoch. And just like those before him, he also didn't believe it was a suicide. So, everything we've learned from Zander so far, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't come as a surprise that he was obviously the prime suspect. I mean, he was the first person everyone thought of as soon as they heard it was not a suicide. That is why after Chris Saunders talked to everyone on the scene, he went to Captain Iman, a member of the South African Police Service, and asked him, well, kind of told him, that he knew where Zander was and he wanted to go and talk to him. 
Captain Human responded by saying that he has no problem with it and that Krish should go. So, with the permission of Captain Human, Chris went and got into his vehicle and drove to Zander's father's farm, father Monty's farm in Lona. When Chris arrived at the farm, he met Zander, his father Monty, and Stefan's Engelbrach, Marna's father. Stefan's was obviously and understandably outraged about the death of his daughter. I mean, who wouldn't be? If, if it was my daughter, honestly, it would be hell to pay. Anyway, Stefan's obviously, you know, was angry, which is why he came to Monty's farm after he saw the lifeless body of his daughter as he knew that Zander was at his father's farm. While in this state of rage, Siphons made some threats towards Zander. Again, I completely understand it. I would have done the same thing. Honestly. So, because of that, Monty Zander's father and Chris agreed that the best thing to do was to take Zander to the Freiburg police station and that Chris was the one that had to take him. Now, like I told you before, Stella and Lona, it's very, very small towns. They don't have police stations, nothing like that. The closest one is in Freiburg, which also is still a small town, but it's a little bit bigger. Anyway. So, Zander got into Chris's vehicle and they started the 80 kilometers drive from Lona to Freiburg police station. That's when Chris decided to use this opportunity to learn more about what went down that night, as it was just him and Zander in the vehicle. So Chris then started asking questions in order to probe Zander's possible involvement in the commission of these murders. And at first, Zander was reluctant, lying, denying, avoiding all of Chris's questions. I mean, it's to be expected. But then finally, Zander, out of his own free will, went on to explain what happened that night and early morning. While, unbeknownst to Zander, Chris was recording the whole conversation. In fact, he has been recording everything from the moment he got out of his vehicle at Zander's father's farm. Now guys, that for me was a brilliant move on Chris Saunders' part. I mean, honestly, I'm imagining one of those drop the mic moments. Because that, it, that is exactly what it was. A drop the mic moment. Well, we've gotten to the end of part two in the Stella Murder series. Now, I know in the first episode, I said it will be a three-part series. But I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's definitely not going to be a three-part series. Maybe a five, six, I think 
yeah six seven at the most <laughs> for me i want to get every detail don't want to miss a single thing about this whole trial and everything that went down and instead of making hours upon hours per episode you know otherwise if each episode would be like two three hours i'll do it you know smaller versions also i know i said in the previous episode that might hear from a you know a confession might not well because i decided i'm gonna do the you know part the series in more parts you know it will be in the next one or will it I'm glad you guys have gotten to this, hopefully, if you're still listening, this part. Um, just so you know, for the next episode, we will be getting into what was said during that drive, that 80 kilometer drive between Zander and Chris. And also the recording. I can tell you guys now, unfortunately, I do have, I do have the recording. Fortunately, it's horrible quality. That and the fact that it's Afrikaans. The whole case is actually Afrikaans. And for me, translating to English, it's okay. Afrikaans is my home language. But some things you just can't directly translate word for word from Afrikaans to English. Otherwise, it ain't gonna make sense. Not even a bit but I do have the transcripts that was used in the court with the recording itself so I'll be translating that we will have that in the next episode and a few more confessions maybe or maybe not you know let's keep that intention like I want to keep that mystery I want you guys to come back. Come back for more. Please come back for more. <laughs> With that in mind, I would also just lastly want to give a big thanks to Gisela K. She is on Instagram under Gisela K and Grizzly Books. She's a writer, amazing writer. An amazing friend. If it was not for her, I wouldn't have started this podcast. I wouldn't even gotten past the first episode. Never mind to this part. She's the one that's been helping me from the start, encouraging me to do this, constantly telling me, you better do this. Because <laughs> I had no hope. And self-esteem, nothing. Especially with my, you know, amazing English skills when it comes to speaking. It's something I never would have thought I'd be able to do. But it's thanks to her. And every day, and every time I want to give up, she's the one standing there and be like, you've got this. So I just want to say thank you. So, so much. And that is it, you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. 
I will be posting more information, you know, pictures on my Instagram page regarding this. Uh, the Instagram page is truecrime.bones. And yeah, please let me know what you guys thought of it. Any ideas, any anything. And yeah, see you in the next episode.